0: Today, we have Giuliana Mignoni.
1: Yes, (laughs) Mignoni. That's right.
0: That is a very East Coast Italian name. It
1: very much is.
0: Do you have a big East Coast Italian family? Oh, my gosh. You have no idea. Yeah,
1: very much so. Like, massive.
0: So are you a Red Sox family?
1: No, we're Patriots family. Okay. Yeah, we're not really um, baseball people, you know.
0: Yeah, baseball, I'm a huge baseball fan. I grew up a Yankees fan, oh. uh, which is odd in I'm New I'm sorry. England.
1: I'm sorry for you that you're a Yankees fan. It
0: was <laughs> difficult. Uh especially in two thousand four when the Red Sox won. I was the only Yankees fan. Um, yeah, why? Brunswick's a small town. So my my grandfather, he was from New York. Okay. So, um, we would always like talk on the phone during Yankees games and be watching them at the same time. So I have some fond childhood memories of that. Um, plus I was a kid when all the, like the Yankees were just constantly fucking winning. That's how it was
1: with the Pats. I used to think when I was little, I used to joke around with my mother until I was like 10 years old. I was like, Oh, I thought the Patriots just won the Super Bowl every year. And she was like, no, that's not how it works. They have to compete. I'm like, but they win like every year.
0: So what do you think of Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay? Are you pro or anti Tom Brady now?
1: I'm like kind of a little irritated with it. I still love Tom Brady. Like I think anybody from new England loves Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I do. even you come on. Like you can't, first of all, he's the absolute greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, hands down. I think it was just kind of like, I don't think it was necessary for him to switch over to the books. I think he could have like retired gracefully, but I don't know. I also love Tom Brady because actually my aunt was asked out by him and she turned him down when he was first starting out. So love that little tidbit. It's like my party story.
0: What did she... S- tell the story.
1: Okay, so my aunt is very beautiful. Um, Her name is... I'll, I'll redact her name actually. But uh, they were out and they were out in Boston. It was like just when he was getting drafted. So, like, young guy coming right out of college.
0: A skinny Tom Brady. Skinny
1: Tom Brady. Yeah, like nobody. And um, what was he like, seventh round draft pick? Draft uh, he was a like later round draft yeah, pick. Yeah, like long, long. Um, and she was out with a mutual friend and they were out like talking. And this guy comes over and she's like, he's like, hey, Um, so my friend Tom, you know, he was really like hotshot up and coming, like people knew who he was at that point, but like, not like obviously now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and he was like, my friend Tom, like he thinks that you're like really pretty and she, he would love to ask you out. And She like looked over and like made eye contact with him and looked straight back at their mutual friend and and said, um, well, if he's not man enough to come out here and ask me himself, I'm really not interested in going out on a date with him.
0: Well, that is actually pretty interesting. So she might have thought he was cute. Yeah. But he didn't go up to her and ask her out.
1: Nope. He did not. He sent his little lackey over and she was all set with that because we're old school. We're old school Italian Greeks. So like,
2: oh, yeah. she was
1: like, I'm all set with that. You know, I mean, she didn't do bad, though. My, my uncle is a fantastic person. So I, I would take him any day over, over, Tom, Brady. over Tom Brady. Absolutely.
0: That's hilarious.
1: Yeah, he's a nutball anesthesiologist, and I love him to death. So very glad we have him over Tom Brady. All things happen for a reason, for sure.
0: Did you grow up in a musical family at all?
1: Actually, no. So um, when I said my family is a Patriots fan, I chuckled to myself. My father is a football coach for my high school. My brother is a football captain for the high school. My sister was a cheering captain. My mother is a assistant coach for the cheerleading team, and. All of them played and were doing stuff with youth football my entire life, so they were all involved with sports. My grandmother on my father's side was an artist and a connoisseur of all things artistic and like opera. I grew up in musical theater, so I was really the outlier. You were theater geek. I was a theater geek. We didn't really have much. I grew up in a really small town. My hometown's called Swamscott, Massachusetts. My high school had about 800 kids in it total.
0: Yeah, so you had a small graduating class. I had, I had
1: 165 kids in my graduating class.
0: It was the same, it was the same kind of deal for me. Yep. I think maybe it was like 150 for us, but um yeah, no. So uh your grandmother, you said she she was an artist?
1: Yeah, she's a really big influence in my life. Yeah, my my my, my dad's late mother. She was an artist. She had a ton of studios. Was always doing antique curation and she was a prolific painter. I mean, She had a studio down in Provincetown. She was the first person to show me a drag queen when I was, like, nine years old, so that was fine. Uh, But she was always the person who was uh, forwarding all of my artistic... I mean, my parents were very supportive, but I played sports growing up, and I did theater, but they were always like, you need to be active, like, you need to be in sports too. So my grandmother was really the one who pushed me to do the art stuff heavily, more than anything. But, yeah, my family is, like, they're very much sports people. My sister actually is a pretty good artist, but they were not like that in our home life. No.
0: So I imagine being in that kind of, um, sports environment is your, is your family really competitive with each other?
1: Oh my God. Yeah. But like in the best way, yeah. like my dad and mom are the best, like they're absolutely out of their mind, but they are the best. Love you, mom and dad. If you hear this, <laughs> yeah, we're all competitive. I mean, in the, in different ways, I think like growing up, so I'm one of three, So I'm the oldest. My brother is about, my sister, I'm sorry, is about 19, almost 20. And my brother is 17, almost 18. And then I have an adopted, like it's a long story, but I have an older sister named Emma who came into my life when I was 15. So I was biologically one of three. And then I got a sister when I was 15. So we always had a big house. So I think that just growing up, there was like a lot going on. I would always joke around if you came over, the shower was running, there was an animal that wasn't ours in the house. Someone else's kid was eating in our kitchen and someone was yelling. And I mean, that's the way I grew up and that's the way I like it. So there was always a bit of competitive ism in there. Cause just competing to go to the bathroom or eat something or drink the last seltzer water in the fridge. There's something always like that.
0: Yeah. No, I, um, I love East coast families like that. You know, it's what I, what I grew up around. Very um, special. it's just like all my friends, you know, um, and it's a different, it's a different kind of place, new England.
1: It's it, like nowhere else in the world. And I did not realize that until I left. I definitely took that for granted.
0: When did you move down to Nashville?
1: I moved down to Nashville um, on my 18th birthday, so I am 23 now, and I moved down. I moved to, Bel- to Belmont University, and I moved in on my 18th birthday, so
0: I've been here five years. Okay, so did you have like a culture shock moment when you moved to Nashville?
1: Yeah, I was really hard to make friends because I am a very abrasive personality, and I'm a big personality. I mean, oh, it yeah. was the best growth growing experience you can do because I think you know. Being able to assimilate but also keep your roots and your true identity is one of the best growing things you can do as a person. I mean, it just opens up doors to be able to communicate with more people, which I think yeah. is really important. But, yeah, I had, a, I had a hell of a culture shock. I mean, it was like a slap in the face. I was in an all-girls dormitory in a Christian university, and I was like, my mother used to let my gay friends sleep over in the basement. This is really weird for me that you are not letting me have a boy in my dorm. I'm an adult. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it was strange for me too. I mean, I moved down here when I was 23 okay. and I'm about to be 29, but before that, or I'm about to be 30, sorry. Um, but before that I, uh, I lived in like five States in five years. So wow. as, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved down to Florida for six months. Okay, uh, cause back down to where I was uh, born. Um, cause my sister lived down there. I okay. have, I have uh, sister who's seven years older than me.
1: Okay, so you're the baby.
0: Yeah, so you're um, the
1: favorite, right?
0: Uh, no, uh, honestly, my, my I have <laughs> I have a crazy family history. We can go into it later in the show, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I moved down to Florida, moved back to Maine for a couple of years, moved out to Colorado for a year, cool. moved back to Maine. Cool. Down to North Carolina for six months, and then love it to Nashville. So I bounced around a ton, so I got to see so much of this country, and I I had traveled a lot, too, when I was a kid, just because my dad was in the Navy, we did uh, a cross-country trip from Florida up to Washington State, and then Washington State out to Maine. Cool. So we drove across the entire U.S., and I got to see most of it, and there's only about five states I haven't been to.
1: So you didn't really culture shock, you were kind of, you kind of like... um... Well, like not like a nomadic, very nomadic.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of my nature to a certain degree. But mm-hmm. um, there was definitely I had to learn how to adjust talking to people because uh, I'm definitely abrasive myself. Well, you
1: can't tell people how to fuck their mother. I tell people when I used to tell that joke when I came down to college, or I'd be like, that's fucking disgusting. I would say that and people would like look at me or I'd be like, go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And they would look at me and I'm like, that's, or like, that's stupid. That is just stupid. And people would like look at me. I'm like, no, that's like a good thing. Like, this is, I am being nice to you. And they'd look at me and they would like have these eyes like doze. And I would just like stand there and be like, all right, I'm going to walk away now because you, because I've clearly offended you. Yeah. Because you don't get my dialect at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's the other thing about coming from the Northeast in general is uh, Southern culture is very, Different. Yeah, it's different. You know, I think with southern culture, they they put a emphasis on politeness. Yes. Um, and like Northeast in general puts an emphasis on realness.
1: Yes, I think that well, I you know, I don't want to be too blunt because like some of them I've met everyone in my adult life who's important to me down here. Yeah. So I can't, you know, say it too much, but I've realized that a lot of the morals that I live my life by not like other people are doing things wrong but I'm a very loyal person to the point where it's almost a fault and that is something I don't know if you grew up with that up um, you know in Maine but there like the Italians in Massachusetts Are very, very loyal people and you stick together. And there's an unspoken sort of if you come over to someone's house, you don't come empty handed and you leave whatever you bring there. You don't ask for it back or you don't really ask each other for money. You kind of just get the next one. And it's old school. Old school. If someone like fucks with your friend, you are no longer friends with that person. No questions asked. Like, that is how I grew up, thick as thieves, my, all my dad's friends and my uncles. Like, there were just oh, yeah. no questions. So that's something that I realized that people, like, when I started meeting more people, their life experience was totally different from mine. And so yeah. I kind of had to learn to, like, see the world through this different sort of moral lens, which is not wrong. It's just completely polar opposite of what I grew up with. Yeah. It's, I still struggle with it, you know?
0: Yeah. It's definitely... uh different. Um I just I just got through watching The Sopranos. Have you watched it? <laughs> I
1: watched some of it,
0: yeah. I fucking love The Sopranos. It's really
1: good, but that show like definitely makes me anxious <laughs> cuz I'm just like, "Ah, my god. Like this reminds me of home," and I'll leave that there.
0: <laughs> it's super dark.
1: <laughs> it's really dark. It's really really dark.
0: Yeah, I um I saw the the movie Minnie Saints in New York. Have you watched that yet? No,
1: my boyfriend and I are shout out Wild Squash, is my boyfriend. He also plays in our band. Um he won't watch it with me until we finish The Sopranos, so
0: You can you can watch it as like a separate I've thing. I told
1: him this. He doesn't listen.
0: He doesn't care?
1: No, no. he's Connery, does his own thing.
0: You know what? I respect it. Because I will say, I, I was like, before I watch Many Saints in Newark, I have to watch all of Sopranos. Yeah, yep. and, and that's what I did.
1: You know, it's James Gandolfini's son. Yeah. Which I think is really cool.
0: It is. It's super cool. Well, it, it's interesting. I, I I won't get too deep in, into Many Saints. But uh, I think a lot of people were looking for him to be... Tony Soprano, like, smacking people around and beating people and shit no. like that the whole movie. But he was a 17-year-old kid in the movie.
1: No, it's probably more about what we were talking about earlier, growing up with that old-school vibe, yes, you
0: know. 100%.
1: You are a child. You are supposed to be seen and not heard. You, you, I you always say when we used to go to church, you shut the fuck up, take your communion, and leave. Like, so you, you grew up Catholic. I'm a Greek Orthodox. Okay. My grandmother is from Athens, but my dad grew up Catholic. So Greek Orthodox and Catholic are very similar, but like, they're just like, we used to go to like the Italian club and like all the functions and they're all Catholic. And it's just, you don't, there's certain things you don't talk about. Like you don't talk about money. You don't talk about any of that shit. Like you just, I don't know. I can't explain it. You have to like, just go up to North, the Northeast. to experience it.
0: I know exactly what it's like. (laughs) Even though like my childhood was spent down in Florida. Like, there, there's so many people from the Northeast down in Florida. Oh, yeah. I mean, birds, baby. Exactly. That's where my grandpa was. Yeah. So um, I definitely got some of that, like, that old-school Northeast mentality and then basically experiencing it in, like, my preteens and teen years. Yeah. It was a whole other thing, and it really shaped me because all my mentors growing up, of course, were people that were, like, hardened New England people. <laughs>
1: Like garden fishermen, like well, it wasn't lobster
0: exactly, people. And not necessarily that. Like I, I had a great music teacher, Matt Fogg. He was, he was a guest on, um, cool. on the show before. Right. And then I had this other guy, uh, Jim McCarthy, who was, uh, a business consultant. Cool. And he really shaped me a lot. And then my boss at this place I worked at called B E K, his mm-hmm. name was Gil. And he was a retired Navy admiral and he was from Massachusetts.
1: So he so was, so Irish.
0: Uh, I think so. His was last he, name is Buffley.
1: Was he from Southie?
0: He wasn't from Southie. I think it was Braintree, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah
1: it was south, of, south Southern Mass, so he's yeah. probably kind of a hard ass.
0: He was a big hard ass, but yeah. everything that man ever said to me, and every t- time he lit me up, he was right for it.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, my dad. You know, is I always say I'm a, I'm everything good and everything bad because of my father, because my dad. I respect my dad so much. I think, you know, when we're kids, we think our parents don't make any mistakes. And of course, my dad said some shit that he probably shouldn't have said. But because I respect my dad so much, everything good and everything bad that he's ever said to me has really stuck with me. So I got to learn to like shake off some of the dumb shit and like only focus on the good, you know?
0: Well, isn't that crazy? As you get older, you start seeing your parents as people and no longer your parents. Yeah, I mean, you see them as human beings.
1: Yeah, my mom's my best friend now. I mean, we're like way past that point. But yeah, it's definitely weird to take a look at that. And especially being the oldest child, it's something... I think it shaped my whole life path. I mean, from being the oldest child of a family and kind of being like my sister and brother call me the golden child, which I hate. But, you know, I was like the straight A student and like the nerd and I never did anything wrong. And then going to school and getting all A's and then getting a job on Music Row before I graduated college, like going from there and then starting a band, like I've been leading my whole life, you know? So it shaped me.
0: The older child and then the type eight Enneagram.
1: Yeah. And well, that going back to what you said about my parents is like when you're the oldest child, you have a very different relationship in that. And it was always taking that leadership role and getting that from your parents and having them delegate responsibility to you. And that's definitely spilled out into my life. Well,
0: you're, uh, you're the trial and error if you're the oldest child. My mom
1: says that all the time. I literally am. She's like, oh, we got to figure it out by the time we had Joseph. I'm like, glad you did. (laughs) Like I didn't turn out that bad, but yeah, yeah,
0: it's 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 funny to to really think about just like growing up and like really the past couple of years I've been deconstructing my childhood because I kind of had a really fucking crazy childhood, really,
1: but in yeah. a good way though. No,
0: in a, in a horrible way. Um, like both my biological parents, I don't have any relationship with them anymore. Aww. Um, like my mm-hmm. biological father left when I was. uh Super young, and he was like addicted to drugs, and he was also a cop. Mm. And then my mom, I had to cut her out three years ago because she's like severely mentally ill and also addicted to drugs, and refuses to get any help. Thank you. Yeah, no, I made I've made amends with it, but uh, needless to say, uh, I was a very difficult person to deal with for a long time. You know, I I, know that. I know that now. I mean, in, in a way, I always did. I just was never really present and in the moment
1: no it's hard because when you don't have stability you're perseverating over the past and the present because you don't have anyone to lean on I mean like how are you supposed to expect to function if you have no support system
0: yeah I wasn't functioning I wasn't functioning my life had completely spiraled out of control uh I had everything had just become so distant from me really whether it was my, my sister um like my my dad the he, ad- mm-hmm. he adopted me when I was a kid. Um, my mom had gotten remarried, and he, he adopted me. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really have a dad until that point. And he, you know. So it, it was, it was a, a pretty monumental shift because he's, like, a very moral guy. He's a good guy, all that shit. Um, but, it, yeah, without him, you know, I, I would not be where I am today. I was, I was very lucky. But, yeah, I was always just in this constant pain i always felt uncomfortable and i still even do now to a certain degree
1: that shit sticks with you oh Uh, yeah i definitely i had a great home life growing up but i was terribly bullied throughout high school middle school really Um, oh god yeah ripping (laughs) bad like i i'm greek and italian so for those of you listening i'm a hairy woman i have dark hair And the boys used to call me Gorilla Girl and they used to call me Chewbacca and they used to you know make noises at me when i would walk in the hallway and i was loud as a kid and i was a theater kid and there wasn't a lot of us they would make fun of me in class they would make fun. a lot of... of
0: personality yeah
1: and you know what and i've never been someone to shy down for my opinion if i have something to say i'm gonna say it as i've grown older i've learned time and place but when you're 15 your hormones are raging you don't know what the shit you're saying like even when you're young you know so i was loud i was different from all the blonde girls that were in my hometown you know just everything and and they tortured me. They they tortured me. And that shit sticks with you. It's hard when you feel uncomfortable for your whole life. And then growing up and learning that you can make your own choices, it's hard to stay comfortable with yourself because you've learned to be so uncomfortable. You've learned to live in that that uncomfortable, you know, and you develop habits and
0: you're uncomfortable. So was there anything you had to, to change, or did you develop like unhealthy coping mechanisms you had to break because I mean, of it?
1: I mean, I've had a bad relationship with my body my entire life. I've struggled. I've been really heavy and I've been tiny thin and... I've been an exercise, bulimic for lack of a better term. You know, I, I never purged, but like I would go to the gym twice a day and I would eat like 200 calories a day, you know. So that was a result of just a lot of bullying and always feeling like I wasn't pretty enough because um, the boys at my school either wouldn't date me in public or they would want to hook up with me in private and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely part of it. And I have a lot of issues with... um. <sighs> I guess speaking my mind and not feeling like I'm being overdramatic because I've been gaslit a lot by people in my life. I hate that word, but there's really not a better one for what, what happened. So, you know, I have to work with myself every day and know that there are, you know, I am who I am and I'm not a bad person and my choices are validated, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think when you are in that situation, you have to, to really like look at, what the reality of the situation is versus who you are. Cause for a long time with my own struggles, I couldn't separate myself from my problems. So I thought yeah. I was a problem, you know? I,
1: you know, I can really relate to that. And sometimes that your problems are things that other people put on you and then they become part of you. And it's so hard to distance yourself, especially cause it's like, that shouldn't have been yours in the first place. Somebody else put that on you. But I do want to say I don't blame any of those kids. I mean, we were all children. We were in high school. Yes. And like, I mean, those those boys, like if someone from my high school, which I definitely do not <laughs> anticipate listening to this, I forgive you guys. I know you didn't mean it. And if you still act like an asshole to this day, you're going to end up divorced 40 and an alcoholic. So go down that path, my guy, if you really want
0: to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sad. You know, I I, I think uh, bullying is, is different. So you're a few years... younger younger than me so it was probably a little bit different by the time Mm -hmm. that you were in high school Mm -hmm. because instagram was probably a thing by then
1: not as much as you'd think really it was there but it wasn't like i can't believe my sister and brother the amount of social media they grew up with i actually struggle with that with my artistry because i know i need to post more for the band i hate it i hate social media
0: that's the true mark of an artist right there i
1: absolutely fucking hate it if i could smash my phone and never pick it up again i would
0: yeah, no, I've, I kind of feel the same way, um, except I, I am addicted to TikTok, and I don't necessarily want to break that addiction, because my whole feed right now is just cats. But that's you a cat beside, person? Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm a dog person.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like dogs, too, uh, but I definitely prefer cats.
1: Cats are so bitchy.
0: That's why I like them.
1: That's why I don't like them. I'm bitchy enough. I would just like something to be nice to me unconditionally. That's why I like dogs.
0: <laughs> See, I want to know where I stand with an animal.
1: No, I want unconditional love from the no, animal. I, I'm I, like, d- I have to deal with that every day with people. You want to you add another layer on that yes. with something that's supposed to just be nice to you?
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, here's what I'll say. I also do like dogs. My dad has a dog, Max, and I absolutely fucking
1: Like love from him. the Grinch.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, Max. He's a he's a black uh, black lab.
1: Those are good. I'm a pit bull girl myself. I love my bully breeds. So,
0: do you have any dogs right now?
1: I do not have a dog right now, but I do get to babysit my drummer's dog next weekend, and I'm really excited about it because she is really sweet.
0: Nice, that yeah. is exciting. My parents
1: have a dog. He's a pit. His name is Tuck Tuckernuts. like off Nantucket, like Tucker Nuts. Oh Island. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um, what, what were we talking about? We were talking about social media. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I hate it. I hate it so much.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think uh, there has to be some kind of healthy balance with it because it's like I, I keep an eye now on like how much time I'm on my phone. Like, do you still get the screen time notification? Do you look at it when you get it?
1: No, because I don't need to beat myself up about something that is so heavily centric in our lives. I just have to just. I know when I need to put it down. Yeah. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to overanalyze it. By that time, it's already done. I know. I know when I'm on my phone too much.
0: Yeah, I uh, I love to overanalyze it. Like I'll see how much time I've spent on like the Uber and Lyft app. And really? those are those are always the yeah because I, I'm a driver. I was gonna say
1: you drive because that's how my boyfriend met you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I picked him up early one morning too.
1: Yes. Yeah. You picked him up. Yeah, that was an interesting story. I'm not going to tell
0: his story. Yeah, no, no. I think but, he might have. I think he might have told it on the. podcast. He probably did. He's remember.
1: very open with his journey with all of that. I mean, he's a year sober now too. So. Oh wow! Mm-hmm.
0: Congratulations to him.
1: Yeah, I'm very proud of him.
0: Yeah, I am too. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll uh, I'll break everything down and like look to see how much time I spent on all the uh, individual yeah. apps and like. If I'm just like looking at nothing on my phone, you know, because it's it's such a it's a bad habit.
1: No, it's gross. It's literally gross. Like how much
0: time we spend in the void. And cool, yeah. No, social
1: media terrible, terrible habit. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no good. Um, have you seen The Departed before?
1: Yes, I have for the first time, but a month ago, actually, two months ago, Connor made me watch it. I'm not a movie person. Really? No, I have like I don't have ADD because like I'm not diagnosed, but like. I am really... I'm always going. I have a really hard time turning it off. So movies are hard for me because I have to sit there for two hours and I have to like be quiet and I'm not like doing something. So movies are hard for me.
0: Well, what do you do? Do you, do you like listening to podcasts or watching TV shows or anything like that?
1: Um, I binge shows. I'm more of a show binger than I am a movie watcher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll binge shows... Um, I would love to tell you that I sit in my room and write music, but that would be a lie only right when I'm super manic. So I'm trying to change that. Definitely trying to change that. Um, or like I cook a lot. Um, I, community is really important to me. So my free time, I spend a lot with my family and my friends.
0: What yeah. is your writing process?
1: A disaster.
0: <laughs> so is it just when you're feeling a lot of emotion that you're Yeah.
1: Writing? I don't know. I, you know, there are... Well, that's not true. I've grown with it a little bit. There was a song that I had an opportunity to pitch to somebody who's had a fair amount of success. Um, So I had to write that from a man's perspective and they didn't take it. And so I now sing it and I love that song. It's one of my favorites. Uh, It's not out yet. It's called New York City. Um, But most of my best work has come from just like, literally, I, I like don't know how to explain it. It's like someone turned a light on and I was like, that's gotta be a song I don't just come in my brain. Mostly I write about, like, my experiences. I don't try to write about anything I don't know, think that you can tell. I don't try to be too poetic with it. You know, I think my, I'm a very, like, emotional person, so my lyrics already come across that way, so I don't try to write about, like, I'm always so impressed. People can be, like, writing about, like, that lamp right there they could write about that lamp and like make this like beautiful song but at the end of the day I'm not a very good musician and I'm supremely transparent about that I am a singer first and foremost I have 12 years of vocal lessons I am a writer and I'm a musician and so I lean really heavily on my boys to make the music arrangement correct I'll write on the guitar and get the melody down
0: yeah. but my
1: songs sound the way that they do because I've worked with some incredible producers who's helped shape my sound and I've worked with you know my boys now who have made all the live stuff the way it is so yeah my writing process is really more just like a journal because that's what I know how to do best and I don't have to think about you know I don't have to think about how to do it I just kind of do it Mm -hmm. does that make sense
0: yeah no absolutely I think for myself um like I really started writing songs probably when I was 20 21 Mm -hmm. uh when I kind of had my first phase you know um I was listening a lot, of course, to the Beatles and just learning how to write melodies and all that shit. And then as time has gone on, like the most recent songs that I've been writing have been more like short stories.
2: That's cool.
1: That's a skill that I wish I I could kind of hone into. I think when we, the boys and I have been talking about moving our writing process over to, I would love for them to be more involved in the writing process because right now we've only played out my stuff so I'm hoping that some of that type of you know storytelling or you know uh stuff that's not just about my personal experience but their experiences too will come into some of the music and make some stronger stuff that's more diverse you know
0: yeah yeah no I think especially when you're playing in a band like that it's it's nice to have some input from everybody because I've been in band situations before and maybe you have too where it's like being a hired gun, I've just shown up and yeah. played the parts exactly as written. Yeah. And then I'll play gigs where they're like, take some liberties, just get the feel for it. And then, so, you know, sometimes I'll get a call where it's like, okay, well, you're part of this. So come up with your parts. If you have any ideas, let us know, yada, 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 all that. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm not opposed to, to any, any of those. Like, yeah. I, I like it when it's like I show up and it's like, this is what I do yeah and I like it when I could take some creative freedom, like playing with with violet moons uh it's been great because I came in kind of after they had some stuff recorded,
1: yes, yeah, so you had an idea, so,
0: yeah, so I had an idea of what to do, but they're also like, kind of just like feel it out, yeah and like
1: they want you there, not just you to play there, you yes. know, I think that that's a really big thing, um with the guys that I play with. So my band is myself. Um, my bassist name is Tommy Marshall he's from KC. And then my drummer is Gabe Sanchez and he is from Miami. And my boyfriend is wild squash, Connor Fersner, and he is from Charleston. So they're all guys. Cause I tend to get along better with men. Um, and they all, a big thing about it is one, they've become my closest friends on anywhere. Like I love these guys, like in Nashville, they're my closest friends here. And, too like Tommy is ridiculously smart like he just he hears stuff he'll tell me to sing stuff certain way and I I just take it cuz like I said these guys are musicians like Connor Played jazz drums in, in, in uh, middle school and then played in bands as a higher gun forever playing guitar. Yeah. I mean the kid is a ridiculous guitar player. Uh, Gabe has played for uh, drums forever. He he plays guitar. I mean he's just he's played with cover you know bands and those are the best things to learn to Chops musically because you have to be on the money. I mean and like I said, Tommy's just smart. Like he he's kind of has a similar upbringing to Connor. All three of them have been playing instruments forever. So it's like when Tommy came in, I played him the recording and he's made some bass lines and some adjustments to me that we now don't play without that because it's important to me and it's become comfortable to me and right because he wrote it. You know, Gabe is, was the most recent addition to the band and he, when we started playing out, he was like, how do you want this? And, you know, Connor has been there since the beginning so he and he helps me with a lot of my arranging and we were like, dude, like however you think is best like we'll give you some hard stops cuz there's certain things that need to be like for the you know uh flow of the song but i don't care how many fills you do i mean like play it how you feel it and and that's what i, I love about it you know cuz we're friends and yes. i think that that really helps like when i was little all i wanted was a band and now i have a band and they're like my good friends too so it's like super weird i'm like this is so weird i feel like my dream came true you know
0: so did you Uh, have like a band or anything like that in high school or was that not until you got here?
1: No. So interestingly enough, I did theater forever. So I was a musical theater kid. Um, Did that from uh, the time I was eight to the time I was 19. And like I was at Belmont at that point, but I came back and did some stuff in the summers. and, And then... In college, I went for music business, so I focused really heavily on the business aspect of it, because there's probably a little bit of fear um, coming down here, having some of these people who have been playing out professionally since they've been ten years old,
0: and small fish in a big pond. Yeah.
1: I f- yeah. I also think that I was never really wanting to be a country musician. And a lot of the opportunities when you're underage are at country places. So I think that it didn't really appeal to me as much then. So I was just writing alone. I'd play a couple of, like writers around here and there, but, uh, no, I mean, I worked, like I said, professionally on music Row, and I've done all that stuff. So this is my first leap into like the band thing where it's been our music and my voice and so it's it's weird. Definitely a new experience for me.
0: I watched some of your guys' set from Halloween. Do you like it? On Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was cool that you guys did, you did all covers, right?
1: Yeah, that's actually really rare. We did one original song at the end, but um, we felt like it was a Halloween show, so people, yes. people want Halloween songs on yes. Halloween shows. Yeah.
0: Thank you. 100%. That's the way I feel, too. Um, you did, like, Psycho Killer. You did Helter Skelter. That yeah. was your opening song.
1: Helter Skelter was fun. Yeah,
0: it was badass. It Thank was badass. You. And your costumes were great as well. Thank
1: you. We love Austin Powers. Uh, yeah,
0: I, th- I thought Connor was perfect as Austin Powers. He that was looks hilarious. like him. Yeah.
1: He looks like him. Yeah, no, that was actually... That was a crazy show. And I want to shout out to the guys at Just a Ghost because they put that Ghost Fest together. Yeah. They really did a killer job. They got it on the radio. Like, it was a whole thing. We showed up. There were a ton of people there. And so we ended up playing one original song at the end of the set. But everybody else was playing original music, which is freaking awesome. But we were like... um, we got to be the band that brings like the spooky stuff. Cause yeah. when you go to a Halloween show, you got to hear that stuff.
0: I agree. I 100% agree. A couple of weeks ago, I played with Violet Moons, a Halloween show. Mm-hmm. I dressed up as a joker. It That's was awesome. fun.
1: Was it creepy? Oh, I saw it on yeah. Instagram. It looked yeah. really creepy. They did,
0: yeah. They did the makeup for it. Cause like Aubrey and Kiera are great with all that shit. That's awesome. Yeah. They're like makeup experts, but we played season of the witch by Donovan. We, we did all originals, but Violet Moons anyways, is mm-hmm. kind of like spooky. Spooky. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we did, we did that song and, uh, it was fun as fuck. Did it kill? Like yeah, people love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was like uh, our, like everyone was saying the best songs of the night were psycho killer. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a very theatrical song. I oh, joke yeah. around, I felt like Tim Curry from Rocky Horror when I sang that. Cause like, it's just so like theatrical. And then, uh, I sang, we sang um, Zombie by the Cranberries, which is just, I call that like, this is so crude, like my jerk off song because I just know vocally I can kind of like fuck the shit out of it. So I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this one in the set. And I danced because people love that. But um, actually at the end of our set, I was like, hey guys, uh, this is a scary song I'm going to play all night because this is what goes on in my head every day. And then we we sang my song, my original. And so that's how we ended our set. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, how often are you guys gigging right now?
1: Uh, we had a busy summer. So we played in July. We did a gig called uh, Sad Song Summer with uh, one of my girlfriends, Bridget, Ryan, and then two other bands. So Coley and New Daddy, they're, they're both great as well. And so I did that, and then we did a couple cover gigs, uh, a couple paid cover gigs over at Brewhouse West because I really, really strongly feel as though playing together gets you better no matter what you're playing. And yes. who couldn't use a little bit of money? I mean, it was fun. You get to mess around and sing some 90s covers. We do a lot of 90s stuff when we do our cover gigs because like, I love singing Hoobastank because I'm a meme.
0: Are you doing The Reason? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My sister hates that song. She hates when I sing it. She's like, I literally hate that song. I, I made them. I, I made them like when I say I'm not very forceful with my band struggle to be a leader with them because I'm like I don't want to be too bitchy because I know I have the tendency to but I literally put my foot down I was like we are singing Rockstar by Nickelback and we are singing it at the yeah. cover gig and they were like really G like really and I was like yeah we're singing it I was like
0: get ready people love to shit on Nickelback but they're actually kind of a good band no they fuck
1: Nickelback is a good band I will die on that hill yeah I will die on that hill. They are good. They have great songs. They are all catchy. They check all the boxes. And you know what? I like them.
0: Why did Nickelback start getting so much hate?
1: I don't know, because it's like butt rock. I feel like that like era, kind of like that like butt rock nineties era. They came out at like the end of that, I feel like. So people were kind of like we're over it. Do you know what I mean?
0: It was between metal and like just like rock, you know what I mean?
1: I don't think there's a lot of really great rock bands now, personally.
0: Uh, I don't know. I would say there's some bands I really love. I love Arctic Monkeys. They're one of my all-time. But they're
1: not a rock band.
0: You wouldn't consider them a rock band? They're an
1: indie pop band. They're an indie rock band.
0: What about... Indie pop rock. Jack White.
1: Jack White. I don't really like Jack White. You don't like Jack White? I don't really like the White Stripes. That's an unpopular opinion. But I do like the Tears.
0: I was just about... That was my follow-up question. Why don't you like the White Stripes?
1: Oh, it's kind of whiny. I don't. I just don't think it's as good as the Rack and Tears. I just. I, I. I don't know. My boyfriend doesn't like them. I. I know this is terrible, but he has such impeccable music taste. Anything that he listens to rubs off on me, and he doesn't really like the White Stripes. And I've heard him analyze it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. And then he's played me some of his solo stuff, and I'm like, yeah, that's better. And he's. And, and so like, it's just. And I've always liked the Rack and Tears. Like I didn't even know they were Jack White. Yeah. And I listened to them in high school because my buddies play them a lot. So I think like I'm just, I like that sound better.
0: So for a long time, I was a Jack White hater. You You were a hater? I was a hater. I was always on the fence. So here's, here's what I'll say. Okay. So it was like Jack White and the Arctic Monkeys. I kind of hated them, but also I realized after a certain point that every time that they had a new record come out, I was there that day at the record store to get the record. You
1: were intrigued by it.
0: Yes. So eventually I was like actually I do like this. I yeah. do not hate this. Um I have, I've never had like a big white stripes phase. Like I like solo Jack White and I like the rock on tours. Um but what really sold me on Jack White was seeing him live.
1: Oh no, I mean like the dude is an incredible performer. I mean, I think he's a little pretentious, but I guess Yeah, he's a that little pretentious. Thank you. I, can, I'll um, agree with but that. I would say that to his face and I'm nobody, so I think he knows that he is. I think that he likes to be. A I think he likes bit. to be
0: too. Yeah, he's in love with the fact that he's a, a rock star. He
1: is. Know? Yeah, he is in a love lust with being a rock star.
0: You know, good for him. Good for him. What about the Black Keys?
1: They're fine. They're fine. I, I, I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. That, okay. Um, Fighters I like Maroon 5 a lot. I know they're not considered rock, but I think that what they do is awesome.
0: Well, the first Maroon 5 record.
1: Songs that Jane.
0: Sl- slaps.
1: No, that, that is a perfect, that is a perfect album.
0: I remember, because when I was first getting into music, that was, uh, that was like what they played on VH1 a lot. I was yeah. in the seventh grade, and mm-hmm. so it was like, uh, She Will Be Loved, and uh, This Love, and Sunday Morning. That they, is
1: a perfect record.
0: They have some great fucking songs. Yeah.
1: And Adam Levine is just a monster, vocally. Like, he's just unparalleled. I mean, he's so good. Honestly, some of my favorite bands right now are some of our buddies' bands. Like, there's a band in East Nashville called Hard. And they're one of my faves. I listen to their shit all the time.
0: What style do they play? Are they just... They're like, hard rock. Like yeah. Rock They're and roll. legit
1: rock, yeah. They are awesome. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Like, I'm, of course, like, we're at the podcast, so I'm drawing a blank on, like, who I listen to on the daily. But, um, yeah, no, Hard is great, and... Um,
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, having a moment. That's okay. I have moments all the time on here. Yeah,
1: I can't even think about it. Because I listen to, honestly, a ton of stuff. But, like, mostly I love the band. They're my all-time favorite. Do you know who they are?
0: Oh, the band? Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. of course.
1: Yeah, I love them. I have a tattoo on my back for them. Because my dad loves them. Really? Yeah. So. What's
0: your favorite the band song?
1: Probably The Weight. I know that that's, like, super
0: it's a great song
1: it's it's my dad my dad is he does all right so i lied to you my dad does play the guitar fine <laughs> he plays it okay um is so, he like a strummer kind no, of no he's a total strummer yeah yeah um but he'll play he'll play that uh and he used to play that when we were young and i used to sing it to him and it was just a bond. and my uncle he loves the band and he would play the band with me and so like atlantic city which i know is his Springsteen song but like those were like the songs we grew up with and then the the, the, way, the last waltz was just like my favorite thing my dad my uncle showed me that we used to watch it all the time so they're my favorite I mean I also like I like Janis Joplin a lot I like um, I like Nirvana that like I like a lot of the 90s stuff and then like southern rock because I like CCR a lot too
0: CCR is the greatest American band that has ever existed.
1: Oh, God. That is such a blatant statement. You really want to die on that hill? I
0: will 100% die on that hill.
1: CCR.
0: They, they are what the American experience is about, in my opinion. It's, it's, okay. Their lyrics are classic They're Americana. Smart.
1: They're really smart, too. They're very poetic.
0: They're, and there's no love songs if you really listen to them. There
1: aren't, if you think about that. You know who's very underrated classic like American rock but Dr. Hook?
0: Doctor Hook, they're the ones that, that play Uga uh, Chaka, Uga Uga Uga. Hooked on a feeling, right?
1: Maybe I or my, maybe I'm messing it up, but they sing this song called um, "I Got No Money." The horse has hair. Here's my rich old Uncle Dad wasted on my purse. Like they sing these, like it's the best of album. You should uh, look it up. I'll
0: check it out. It's
1: really good. Connor showed me that. My boyfriend, like I said, is like an incredible like music actor. Guy knows f- every song, every lyric. I mean, he got me listening to Prince. I never listened to Prince growing up because my dad didn't really like him. As you can see, my dad has a lot of influence on in my life. I've said his name like eight times. Uh, but, yeah, no, he got me into him. So
0: I've never really been a Prince fan. I mean, I, I can respect him. Dude is talented beyond belief. I, I, I dig his music. Like I, I like Prince, but I like it when he does songs like Raspberry Beret. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never really been to the, like the super, well, I'm, I will say this. I'm not a fan of eighties music. I hate most eighties music. I'm a big hair metal fan. So really?
1: like, I absolutely I, love poison I, and twisted sister and all that.
0: I can't do it. I'm, it's not for me. And in general, just like eighties pop music, there's a few eighties pop songs. I like, like, I like that song. Um, Always something that to, to remind, remind me. me, which is a cover of a 60s what if, song,
1: but oh, that's true. What about
2: um, on a vacation? Yeah, away. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's
0: yeah, a good one yeah, too.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good song. Go the, the,
0: I'm picky about what I like from the 80s because the, the production to me is just so
1: bombastic.
0: It's it's I wouldn't call it bombastic. It's
1: bombastic. Bombastic is not a good or bad word. It is simply a descriptor. It is loud and it is in your face.
0: Yeah, it just sounds all coked out to me. I that's got, that's what '80s production sounds like. I don't like that. Like. I don't like it. I'm not I'm not into it. You don't like, like
1: nothing but a good time.
0: No. What? I mean, I, I, I'm here. Here's what I'll say about that. I'm neutral to it. I'm neutral. I'm neutral to that song. All right. Um, all right.
1: Valid. My mom's like 46. So she's, oh, sorry, mom. I just said your age. But like she like was a hair metal like baby yeah. like in as a teen. So we grew up with a lot of that. That and Frank Sinatra.
0: Of course. <laughs> Italian. Of
1: course. Yeah. But like all that classic rock shit, like that is like my favorite stuff. Like Alone by Heart, saying that every time I, you know, go out and do a cover gig. It's fun.
0: I really like Billy Joel. I Um,
1: love Billy Joel and my band. One of my favorite things that we do is we do a cover of Vienna and we do it rock.
0: Nice. Cool.
1: Vienna is my favorite Billy Joel song for sure.
0: I think my favorite Billy Joel song is probably um, Don't Ask Me Why or uh, Great Wall of China. Do you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. That one's kind of a deep cut, but some of his deep cuts are my my favorite ones. Like I like uh, Zanzibar as well.
1: Zanzibar is an awesome song. I, for some reason, thought you were going to sing Angry Young Men.
0: I don't know why. You know what? That's funny you say that. That, that is probably one of my, my favorites as well, too. I
1: love Billy Joel. He is awesome. Like, I just love it. And Elton John, again, my boyfriend, never was an Elton John fan growing up. My boyfriend showed me Elton John. I think Elton John is probably, I'll die on this hill, the best solo artist of the decade. Of, of the 70s? Of, of the 70s, yeah.
0: I will die that album. I can't necessarily dispute that because Elton John comes to mind for for me as well. Like, I like, uh, he has this album, um, Rock of the Westies. Do you know that one?
1: Rock of the Westies. No, I know. Caribou, I know. No. What's on that?
0: Um, I, I, I'm i trying to think of, the, like, sometimes when I'm just driving around, I listen to it so yeah. I don't always know the song titles. I do that all the time. But um, I like that one a lot. Um which it was recorded in Colorado. I went down this whole rabbit hole of music recorded in Colorado in like the seventies. That's weird, but okay. And uh, that was one of the uh, the albums that Elton John did three albums in Colorado. It was that. I think it was Caribou because the studio they were Caribou, recor- yeah. recording at was Caribou Ranch. And then uh, I can't remember what the other one. He was. did
1: one in Jamaica. Yeah, did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He did. I love that my. I love Honky Château that's
0: probably my favorite. Is that the one he did in Jamaica?
1: No, that's the one he did. Actually, it was he did it over here in the US and it was it was I don't know if that one was out in Colorado. I think it was out in California because mm. it was like his, like one of his first or second big ones. I don't know. I, I'm not, I am, I will p- proclaim this. I am not super good with that type of music history stuff, unless I'm totally obsessed. I can tell you anything you want to know about leave on home and Robbie Robertson, but otherwise I definitely stumble.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm into all sorts of shit. You know, I, you like I go, I music? go down rabbit holes of getting into stuff like, Right now, the the, kind of the phase I've been in is like Afro-Cuban funk.
1: Afro-Cuban funk. Yeah. I don't know Afro-Cuban funk, but I do listen to a lot of reggaeton because I speak Spanish.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When did you start speaking Spanish? Was that just something you...
1: No, I did it in high school, and then I moved to Spain for like five months during college, and I like literally pulled out of Belmont and did a sister program and lived with a family because I really wanted to learn... Um, so I just learned there and I was in a I took a class two or three levels harder than I needed to for like my credits because I really wanted to learn while I was over there, so now I speak Spanish.
0: What was that experience like of living it, in another country? It was literally
1: like electric. I, I there's really no other word to describe it. I I get sad every day that I don't live there anymore. I will say, um Sunday that that show we played was probably the only thing that has come close to living over there in my life and so it's nice to be in a chapter that like feels the same sort of joy that I was over there but living over in Spain is amazing their lifestyle is different everything is so beautiful over there feels more real Americans have a lot of stuff that looks brand new they take care of older things over there the buildings are older food tastes different I don't know I just felt very calm very very at home in Spain it's a cool cool place
0: yeah. I've never left the U.S. before. Really? I've been all over the U.S., like, back and forth a million times over, but I've never... I would really... The place that I want to go visit... I was going to say, I,
1: where would you go if you could? Cuba. Cuba? I have, I have a lot of Cuban aunties in my family. Really? Mm-hmm. So, my great-aunt Gloria, she was married in to, to my great-uncle Salvi, and they um, they had, like, kids and she's Cuban, and then my cousin, Tete, and her daughter, um, they are, like, our Cuban aunts, our great aunts, are like, 80 and, like, 70, so they're, like, older, and they're amazing, and um, my mom's best friend, who's basically, like, my other mother, Ana, she's half Cuban, and her mom is from Cuba, and we're really close. She talks to me every day, Kiki, so, like, Cuban is a really big part of, like, not my identity, but a big part of the community I grew up in as well, and they're amazing people, so I definitely would love to go there as well
0: my brother-in-law he's cuban really yeah so his parents immigrated over from cuba yeah um so he's first generation american but that's awesome uh like growing up you know after after my sister got married to him mm-hmm. uh i was probably a teenager but w- anytime i would go down there like on christmas eve they dig a hole in the ground and they cook a pig and oh like, i was
1: gonna say the food must be but yeah
0: good. oh yeah the food is incredible um but I think it's an interesting culture too because uh, they've never really been free in their history. Like I read this book called Havana Nocturne, and it was all about mm-hmm. the Italian American Mafia occupying uh, Cuba.
1: That's really interesting. I would love to read that.
0: Yeah, it was great. It's by this writer T.J. English, and it tells this whole story about how they, like, the mob was like, "We want to operate somewhere outside of the FBI's jurisdic- jurisdiction." Basically, and so they chose Cuba. They chose Cuba because it was 90 miles off the coast of, of Miami. Miami, exactly. Um, and what it ended up doing was it triggered the rise of Fidel Castro. Really? Yes. So it, it, there's like this She'll whole guerrilla warfare <laughs> that that plays out. And Fidel, uh, basically he does all of these bombings of all these casinos that are run by the Italian-American mafia mm. and all this crazy shit goes down. But it plays out like a movie. It's a great story.
1: Mm, I'll have to read it. You know, it's very interesting, and we won't get too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, you should talk to Cuban people about their pol- political beliefs. That is a very interesting rabbit hole to follow. Oh,
0: down. trust me, I have. Like, anytime, like, I, I was just was down in Florida a couple weeks ago, so I saw my brother-in-law's parents. And Do we, they live in Miami? Yeah. Well, they live in Hialeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is like... Little Cuba. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we'll go... They, they talk all about that shit. And they, they talk about the kind of stuff that's going on in America now and how they hate it and how they're scared. They
1: are the biggest Republicans you will ever meet. Yeah. Very conservative Gibbons.
0: Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure.
1: It's very interesting because you know what? And people will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, leave them alone. They have their own history and you will not tell them otherwise. And they have reasons for believing that. Just let them die on that hill. Yeah. I've said that like eight times, but truthfully don't mess with them on that. They have a different, they have a different world experience than you do.
0: Oh yeah, it's absolutely. just very
1: interesting to me. It's because uh, I like my family. Like my, I call them my family because they are my family. But like they talk about it, and I'm just like, wow, like this is a really interesting. Perspective.
0: True adversity.
1: True, yes, yeah.
0: Like my brother-in-law, his mom, she was taken to a work camp when she was 16. She was put there for a year by Fidel.
1: That's insane.
0: Can and they imagine? just had to leave. You know, they just just had to leave. They had to get out at one point. So it's just shit like that, you know, it puts it's really sad. in perspective that we were like born in America and we're lucky to to be here. You're
1: lucky you can say something without somebody dragging you by your ankles and
0: throwing you on the street. I'm reading um, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I'm almost done with is it. Is that
1: his biography? It is. Is it good?
0: It's so fucking good. He's a really interesting guy.
1: Yeah, I love Matthew McConaughey. I think he's an awesome actor and I just think he's so dynamic in all the roles that he plays. They're very similar a lot of them, but I just think I, he's captivating to me. So
0: well he talks about that a little bit in his book. Like he talks about how like the part I'm reading right now is how he stopped doing romantic comedies because he was the romantic comedy guy for a while.
1: I don't even associate with him, him with that anymore. Well, you?
0: he no, no, he's an amazing, incredible actor. But what he did was for like two years, he refused every romantic comedy that came his way Yeah. until Dallas Buyers Club came along.
1: Yeah. Cause I, that's what I think of him and that. I guess that was, he did exactly what he intended to do. I think what was the last one that he was in, Fool's Gold? Was he in that one or was that? I don't know. That was Owen Wilson.
0: I can't can't remember what the last McConaughey movie I saw was. I do love him in fucking Wolf of Wall Street, though. Yeah,
1: he's really good in that. Well, actually, speaking of a movie that I do like, um, have you ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall?
0: Yeah, of course. I
1: love that movie. I love Jason Segel. That man, if, if I could meet him, I would turn into a puddle. He's so cute.
0: I like Russell Brand, too, in that movie. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, Russell Brand is a great. He's a wacko. I love him. But no, that is, like, probably, that is my boyfriend's favorite movie. I talk about my boyfriend a lot. He's my best friend. He's the best guy ever. and um, But he, he that's his favorite movie. And he was like, you have to watch this movie. I know you hate movies. And, like, pr- pretty much, like, pinned me down and was like, watch this. And I was like, okay. And now it's, like, our favorite movie we watched it all the time.
0: Yeah, Russell Brandt, he, uh, he has a podcast. Have you listened to it at all?
1: Yes and no. I've seen blips on Facebook. I'm really bad. Like I said, I have really bad, like not ADD, but like I cannot sit and focus. So I fixate. So like when I, li- the podcast I do listen to, I listen to a lot of true crime. So like a lot of true crime podcasts. So you
0: love serial killer shit. I do.
1: I'm very interested by them. It freaks me out that somebody can do something like that.
0: What do you think it is that draws you in?
1: How absurd it fucking is, just how absurd it is, and I think it's the mass amount of information and how intelligent these women are when they pick apart these stories. You know, I think there's so much there. I don't know. Maybe it's fucked up. I, I know a lot of people like serial killer podcasts, but I really think it's the like listening to these stories and like there's no way someone could do that like. I don't know. It just doesn't process to me that you can just be such a horrible monster, kill somebody, take their life. Like, it freaks me out, you know?
0: I'm fascinated by it, but I think for myself, it's that humanity has such a wide spectrum.
1: Yeah, there are bad people in this, this world. Bad, yeah. oh, dark. Yeah.
0: Well, I, in t- like, in our modern life, in our modern world, too, we live this very safe, protected sanitized kind of living you know
1: it's almost fake seems like a facade
0: at least at least in america like i don't know necessarily necessarily if it's like that in other places but in america it seems so much like twitter and facebook and all this shit is constantly on everyone's mind
1: It's not in other places from what I understand. When I lived in Spain, I mean, maybe it was because the woman I was living with, she was in her 40s, so she wasn't, like, super old or anything. Like, she was, like, right in the middle. But, like, she's not all over social media. And when she does post, she just posts about her kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like,
1: you don't see people in their phones over in Europe.
0: What do you think that is?
1: They have a different life over there. I don't know what it is, but I got to get there. Because, like, they just really enjoy each other's company. They care a lot more. Like, they've kept tradition, which I think is really important. And I think that the tradition that they've kept has been surrounded about things that bring people together rather than hyperfixating on things that draw people apart. Mm-hmm. And I love this country. Don't get me wrong. I I would never say I don't because I do. And I will say that publicly because I do love to be an American. But I think that both sides hyperfixate on trying to fix things that draw people apart rather than bring people together. And I just don't think that other parts of the world focus on that as much.
0: If you could wave a wand and fix all of the problems in the world, what would you focus on first?
1: Like one problem for the whole world. Dude, it's That's way too hard of a question. I mean, like there's so many different Okay, what I about much, top three? Like, uh, yeah, this is such a loaded question because you're an asshole if you don't say like war, peace, and like hunger, right? Um, I mean, if I was to fix it, probably child abuse.
0: Okay, that's a good one.
1: B- and probably a lot to do with women's rights in the middle east that's a really big problem for me personally yeah that hits me home um and um
0: you had something but you didn't want to say what it was no
1: i won't go there it's too political uh probably food poverty
0: those are a, a fair three. I think for me, I would erase ranch dressing from existence. No,
1: that's incorrect. Sorry. This I podcast get, is over. <laughs> I would
0: get rid of ranch dressing altogether. Uh, <laughs> two, I would banish anybody that disagrees with me.
1: What? That's a terrible way to live life. Okay, John Lennon. Imagine you don't want anyone who disagrees with you. No,
0: no. You no. have a
1: really fucking boring podcast.
0: So I, I, would, okay. Let me re, let me rephrase that. I won't banish everybody that disagrees with me. But you but can't be a
1: prick about it.
0: I'll I'll be a dictator.
1: No, that's terrible. That's a terrible plan.
0: Look, okay. So if I'm a dictator, I'm not going to discriminate based on <laughs> on race, gender, any of that shit. What I'm going to do is behaviors
1: what if you're like a fucking menace you get kicked out so
0: if you're the kind of person that takes your shoes off on an airplane
1: oh no those people should be beheaded
0: yes that's what i'm talking about those are the kind of things i would do as a dictator i'm i'm here to restore order
1: okay that's fairly valid if i was a dictator what would i do
0: oh god like what is like people's behaviors that annoys you
1: i do not like people who yell at waitstaff that is so frustrating. They're like, mind you, there's a difference by, by being like, Hey, this is wrong. Can I get something else? But like people, someone who, being rude, people like snapping their fingers at wait staff. Um, I don't like that. Um, I don't like girls who blatantly like try to get attention by like being super, like I'm a loud person, but I don't like ask for attention. Like, you know, when they like flail around and they like look around the room and yeah. like, they're like, their boobs are out and like, they're trying to get attention. Don't like that. Um, people who place, um, em- open beverages on amps and stages should also get the electric chair Straight to
0: the gulag,
1: dude, fuck those people. I was downtown on Broadway. I was at kid rocks. Yeah. I go down to Broadway sometimes. Cause yeah, it's fun. Fucking fun. And this girl was behind me and she was like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, and she's like, can you like put these on the stage? And there were like four or five beer cans. And I turned around and I said, No. And she looked at me like, what? I go, go take your happy ass to that trash can over there because that's fucking two grand worth of equipment and you're an ignoramus. And she just kind of looked at me and I was like, (laughs) bye-bye. I was drunk enough that I didn't care. Yeah,
0: Broadway can be fun.
1: Broadway is fun. Broadway can be.
0: People like to talk shit, but being like an Uber and Lyft driver, I... I really honestly like the tourists in Nashville.
1: Some of them are really... I mean, like, I don't think it's a bad thing to ha- no. be a touristic city. I mean, people are always going to come here, you know? I think that's, that's a big part of it.
0: And it's a large part of the city's character, too.
1: It is. It is. I think it's kind of frustrating sometimes when you want to go, like, just out. But, like, I find places that aren't touristy that I go to. Yeah. But I would do that in any city anyway. So, I mean, that's... So, it's, I think it's so... People are so jaded about it because, like... They're like, oh, it's turning into New York. It's like, no, man, like, you should be proud of it. Like, Nashville's brought in more money. Can they fix the goddamn fucking roads, though? Like, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's another one. Yeah.
0: I, uh, have you heard about the, uh, the party bus thing that's been going on?
1: Yeah, I think that that is a really poor economic decision for the city.
0: I do too. I, I mean, People have been dying from them, but I don't know if necessary the the solution is by choking the business out.
1: No, it's so dumb. I mean, like, that is such a big thing here, and I don't think it's smart to... People have been dying? What are they doing, jumping off of them? Like fucking. Uh, Well,
0: one guy fell off, and one woman, I guess she fell into the street or something like that and got got run over. So there have been a couple of deaths since it has happened, but... Don't
1: be an ignoramus. Just watch yourself.
0: Well, I... I just don't know what the solution is because what is the balance between letting people do what they want and... Make them closed. What's that? Make them closed. Do them yeah. closed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could, you could do that, but part of the whole thing about that is the, the voyeuristic aspect of everybody looking at you while you're singing and dancing. Set
1: it up like a WWE cage.
0: You could do that as well. With a box truck. So, you know what? You're, you're probably not far off from something like that, honestly, happening. Let's start it. Because there's also, there's a hot tub one. Have you seen those ones? That's
1: gross. That, that should be fucking thrown in, into Florida. No yeah, offense. That's yeah. a Florida situation that made its damn way up here. I think
0: it's so fucking gross that people are willing to ride around in a hot tub. It's like, who's cleaning? Can them?
1: we talk about hot tubs for a second? They're gross.
0: Yeah, they're gross Public as fuck.
1: pools are also gross. Catch me never being in any of those.
0: Yeah, I don't fuck with it.
1: No, I don't want your piss water. I'm all set. Well,
0: that, that's always what I assume. I'm like, these drunk people are just pissing in this hot tub and they're all sitting. Even there. worse
1: than that, have you ever seen somebody scratch their legs and how much dry skin comes off of that? You want to sit in skin and hair? My mother, we were in Mexico, lost her bracelet on the bottom of a pool. I had to put on goggles because it was a gold bracelet. I, I can't tell you. I found a hot dog. I found a cup. Uh, I found hair. Yeah, you don't want to know.
0: That's so nasty. I mean, I did
1: sit in that, my fat ass in that pool for the rest of the week because it was fucking fun, but I was really wasted that whole week, so that might have helped. But then again, I was not in my right mind. I did not pee in the pool.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I guess that that is the, uh, the 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 big sin is peeing in the pool.
1: I feel like it's not even that, that like, some people are just dirty. Like, would you want to hug everybody you meet? No. And you know what's going to go in your mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's gross as fuck.
1: Yeah, that's my stance. Yeah, if anyone wants to judge me on my stance on uh, hot tubs, you can follow me at It's Fern Music and yell at me about hot tubs in the comments, and I'll respond to you.
0: Where can people find your music at?
1: Spotify, Apple. I think I'm actually on Pandora, too. My, uh, I have a girl who, she's kind of like my manager. She actually is living in Columbia right now. She used to work out in L.A., um, but uh, she's done a really good job with my distribution. So I got three songs out, And those are everywhere you can find me. The easiest way, I think, is if you type in Vern and then you type in uh, Ceiling Fan, that always comes up, like, first hit.
0: Which is going to be the song that is at the end of this episode, which is the perfect place to end it. Here it is.